Think about the concept of rare. It's often synonymous with unique, valuable, precious. But what about in the context of disease? Rare diseases are defined as having an extremely low prevalence, yet an estimated 30 million Americans have one. That's one in 10 people. Listen as we uncover some of the inspiring stories of lives touched by rare disease and see how in the end, we all have rare in common. I'm your host, Andrew Stratton, and I have a rare disease. Since my diagnosis with partial lipodystrophy at age 37, I've become a voice for my community, first through the creation of the patient foundation, Lipodystrophy United, and now through public outreach and national awareness campaigns. Today, we're speaking with Tisha. For most of her life, Tisha was a competitive athlete who found herself happiest on the basketball court or volleying balls with friends. But when Tisha was diagnosed with Lambert-Eaton myasthenic syndrome, let's call it LEMS, she had to learn to adjust not only her physical expectations, but also her outlook on life. Hi, Tisha. So nice to meet you. I'm really looking forward to hearing um, about your story, your background, um, but we're here today talking about rare disease and you are fairly newly diagnosed with LEMS. Isn't that right? Yes, that's correct. And uh, I just want to say thank you for letting me be here. And yeah, I was diagnosed with Lambert-Eaton-Myasthenic syndrome in December, 2019. And LEMS is a, a ultra rare neuromuscular disorder that is autoimmune um, and it causes debilitating muscle weakness, particularly in the legs. Um, and it is caused by when the immune system actually attacks your neuromuscular junction, which is that space between where the nerves and the muscles have a communication between each other and that's disrupted. So that's a tough time to be diagnosed. I mean, I. Yeah. And that sounds like a silly statement about being diagnosed with a rare disease, but receiving a diagnosis right before the pandemic, yeah. um, that must have been really intense for you. Talk to me about your diagnosis. Did you have symptoms before then? How did you get a diagnosis? It was actually, it was quite a long journey, actually, because um, I started my symptoms in 2012. After seeing, you know, many doctors and different tests and my symptoms waxing and waning all the time, it just felt like a roller coaster all the time and the emotions that go with that. And it just took so long to finally feel like I was being heard and I was listened to. And I had times where I was really bad and I had respiratory failure and I was on oxygen. Still, even at that time, I they didn't have a cause. It didn't have a diagnosis. And I'm just like, what is going on? But, it, you know, it took me pushing on and being like, Hey, there's something going on. And, you know, and I had to reach out to people that I knew and also searching for who can help me with this and being my own advocate. And so it took me leaving a lot of medical facilities that I had been seeing um, to decide, say, Hey, I need to find somebody that's going to figure this out. And so finally it started to affect my vocal cord. I have a paralysis of one of my vocal cords. And at some point you may hear that, uh, it'll kick in. Um, but it took me seeking out this laryngeal specialist that was like, hey, you have some type of neuromuscular disease. And it was at that point that things kind of turned for me. And um, I was finally received my diagnosis in December, 2019. And I had a uh, 
positive, what's called a voltage-gated uh, calcium channel that really pushed forward my diagnosis. I was diagnosed when I was 37 with a, mm-hmm. you know, my mutation and, and disease yeah. is genetic. So born with it, lived my whole life and, and oh, wow. very similar yeah. similar um, diagnostic odyssey as you as unexplained uh, problems. Tell mm-hmm. me a little bit, um, what does LEMS stand for? What were those symptoms? Yeah, sure. Um, LEMS start, basically stands for Lambert-Eaton myasthenic syndrome. And my symptoms initially um, started, I actually had a sudden bowel obstruction and it was about three weeks after that had resolved that I started getting leg stiffness, um, tingling numbness on my lower extremities, weakness, inability to stand from a seated position. And it seemed like I just kept going through that cycle of those same symptoms. And then they would just progressively add new symptoms to it, such as shortness of breath, uh, tachycardia, which is basically a fast heart rate. So that's kind of what how I initially started, and then it just got worse. And if I'm correct, uh, mm-hmm. you worked in the medical industry. I right? did. Yeah, yeah, I did. I was a PA in the ER for about 16 years. And due to my condition, unfortunately, um, I had to end my career in December 2019. I actually got ill in April 2019, was on leave for about six months, tried to go back part-time, and I was getting much worse. And at that time, I um, had to, we had to make some decisions and um, concerns that, one, I wasn't able to keep up with that flow, and two, the concerns that my vocal cord causing um, miscommunications with patients so yeah yeah it had to have been a really hard decision for you yeah sorry that that's the choice that you had to make Mm -hmm. have you been home since then what have you been doing since yeah I have been home since um I was really positive and thought I'd go back at some point I'll get better and I'll go back and that just hasn't happened but since I've been home uh I've actually found a lot of uh, new hobbies that I never knew that I would enjoy. Um, Cause I, you know, I used to be a huge athlete, so I was very competitive in sports and not filling that void. I had to find other things. And so I really have invested a lot of time in learning how to do woodworking on my own. And it actually started cause I needed a new walk-in closet organizer <laughs> and I couldn't, I didn't have the money to buy one. So I had to make one. So that's kind of where it started. And I was like, you know, I could probably make that. And here I am and making benches and making tiki bars and shelves and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, so I've really uh, learned to enjoy that. How has not working those tough hours impacted your body? Not working those hours. I mean, I think it's more the effects of not working emotionally is more difficult, I feel, than, yeah. you know, emotionally and mentally, more so than physical. I mean, my job was physical and the fact that it was a fast-paced environment and, you know, sometimes you did have to, you know, do things that, you know, you had to help assist lifting and things. But I think it's more of an emotional and uh, mental, how do I keep my brain still stimulated? That I think is the most difficult challenge for me with not working. After mm-hmm. my diagnosis, it was really challenging at first. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, I- I'm in it. 
Yeah, I gotta do on. this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, having you here today, just your introduction about wanting to share um, mm -hmm. awareness. Yeah. I feel that sense of like, okay, I'm in it. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, you can either take, you know, what is handed to you or given to you, even if you don't want it, and you can either accept it and be a rise above that and say, hey, you know what, this is not going to control me. And I, you will see greatness from this, I will be a better person. And you will see that I will get through this or you could go the other way. And I refuse to do that. How has your family and mm -hmm. your friends, your support system handled yeah. the diagnosis? Um, I, you know, I feel like because we've been doing it for seven years and, you know, this on and off and that struggle, I think we were all just so like, so relieved that finally there was some cause for all these symptoms. And now we have a focus and we now have, you know, something that we can actually finally treat instead of watching me deteriorate, we can actually do something now. You know, I, th I think often family members, loved ones and friends feel helpless because they can't help you. They can't make you better. They can only support you. And I feel like when I was emotional and when I was stressed and I was overwhelmed and I felt like waves were just crashing over me, I felt like they were my calm water. They were my peace and my rock that got me through those really tough times. I'm a little floored at how recent your diagnosis is and, mm -hmm. and your attitude yeah. um, and your energy that I feel, your strength actually, mm -hmm. that I feel even, even through Zoom, I feel the yeah. strength from you. Had you heard of limbs as you, sure. in your career? Do you think your medical background impacted negatively or positively how you're adjusting? I feel like I, I didn't actually hear of LEMS itself. Um, even though I had some medical knowledge, I knew of a lot of different neuromuscular diseases, but I had, in all those years of doing medicine, I had never actually had a patient that had that. And so the way for me to know what it was, I did so much research over those seven years of figuring out what is it so I could help maybe doctors figure this out. So I think my medical knowledge definitely helped some. Um, in that regard, but it also helped me decide that, you know what, I need to be my own advocate. I need to, if I feel like I'm not getting um, what I feel like I deserve or I'm not being heard, then I have to decide, you know what, I need to move on because there will be somebody. There always will be someone that will understand you and listen to you um, and help you through such a tough time. I, I think there was benefits, but you know, there was also difficult times because I'm like, you know, I worked for the medical system for so long and I, and I, at times felt like it, you know, was letting me down, but it yeah. was just because I wasn't in the right place. And getting to that right place, do you think was the right specialist? Yep. 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 It, it just took me going through so many. I mean, I traveled all over to find this pursuit of what the cause of all these symptoms. And it wasn't until I was like, you know what? There's something going on with my vocal cord. And if you're not going to address it, then I'm going to address it. And so that's where it took off is when I decided I'm going to go seek a laryngeal specialist on my own. And I did. And then that's where everything got better in that regard. Yeah. Is there a treatment 
There is. And it's all patient dependent and how every patient um, responds differently to different types of treatment. Yeah. I I have a rare type of limbs um, because um, I do have vocal cord involvement. I do have respiratory muscle weakness, causes respiratory failure, and it has. And, you know, my symptoms typically get worse with activity where normal limbs patients, it gets better. So mine has been very challenging besides medications and fusions. It's a big balancing act for my treatments. Like many rare diseases, to me, it sounds yes. like there's a lot of heterogeneity in a diagnosis yeah. uh, based on people's symptoms yep. and their response to. You're already advocating. Do you reach out to a community of, of fellow LEMS folks? Did they provide comfort? Do you provide comfort? Tell me about that. Yeah, I've actually um, been in contact with a few LEMS patients um, uh, and and kind of bouncing off different treatment things, or if I was going to be starting a new one, how was it like? What was it? What did it feel like? Did you have any problems? So that was super helpful, but it's just so helpful to know that there's other people going through this that are feeling your struggles and that are going through these treatments and can help you through that. Like when I was getting my ports, they were able to help me through that process of deciding should I or shouldn't I, is this best for me or is this not? And I'm also part of a, um, a LEMS forum that's online and it's all LEMS patients. And so on there, we talk about a lot of different discussions, anything from vaccinations to you know treatments to all sorts of things. So that has been super helpful. And it goes again, like al along that same process of not being alone because you do not have to be alone even with a rare disease because there is always somebody else out there that's yeah. feeling the same way, you know? so. So I think you have to do that. You have to put yourself out there and find those people. You are an athlete and I think you played team sport, right? Yeah, I, um, I have always played volleyball, basketball and softball. I was a collegiate basketball player and I played up to, you know, times when I got sick, but I got better enough to play just softball at that time. But I haven't played in quite a few years now. But yeah, I played as long as I could competitively. So I love that. Um, and I bring that up because mm -hmm. in rare disease, it's it's so cliche, but together we are stronger. Absolutely. And you're yeah. coming from a medical background. You're mm -hmm. coming from a background of surrounding yourself with team members. Yeah. So yep. it doesn't surprise me that you've reached out to the community. Yeah, absolutely. And I think growing up as an athlete makes you driven yeah. just naturally, you know, and you go through tough times being an athlete, injuries and everything. So I think it's natural for you to be that way and, you know, and to be a team player and want to help people. And I think, you know, if, if anything, that this podcast could bring is that, you know, like I said, is just letting them know they're not alone and that, you know what, there's times when I remember sitting on the couch on oxygen, I couldn't even walk to my fridge because I couldn't breathe. And I had oxygen tank and compressors all over my living room. And I'm like, is this my life? Is this what it is? And this is what I'm going to be looking at in the future. And that's a daunting thing. But I, you know, you can have those days where it's difficult and that's okay, but 
you have to reframe your mind and be like, you know what? This may be part of my life, but it's not going to control my life. I am still this person that I've always been and I will always be. And so if I can let people know that, you know what, if I can do it, they can do it and inspire them then to not give up, then that I did my goal today. I love that. I love that so much. Um, and again, doing this through COVID, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Tisha, that's, re- that's remarkable. You know, it's, it's kind of like a, it's a tough thing, but in a way it was a small blessing. And the reason why I say that was when I stopped working December, 2019, COVID hit, you know, February, March, right now, I had an, a really bad immune system at the time. Had I gone, cause I can't also receive the vaccination because of my autoimmune part and uh, the respiratory failure. So had I been continuing to work, who knows what would happen if I would have got COVID. So it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. I, I'm, I'm a little older. And uh, I've been diagnosed about 12 years now. And I absolutely think about my life as before diagnosis and Mm -hmm. after diagnosis. Absolutely. Different diseases and different challenges and different Mm -hmm. lifespans. But I would say in, in the many years that I've worked in my community, there were times I was very, very sick and there's times that I'm healthier and now I'm on treatment and probably healthier than ever. Mm -hmm. I feel like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm supposed to do. And moving forward for however long that is, I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not expecting you to say you're okay with it, but I feel this (laughs) strength from you. Mm -hmm. What do you, how do you predict the next few years to be? I honestly don't predict it. I don't predict it because one, I don't know how I'm gonna feel tomorrow. And if I don't have a good day, that's okay. I'll just relax that day. But if I have a great day, I'm going to maybe do a little bit more than I probably should. (laughs) But I don't want to predict because what happens if I predict, you know what, I just want to be able to hike four miles, let's just say in three years. Well, let's just say I'm really good and I can hike 10. Now, you know, that's great. But what happens if I'm not at that, you know, four miles and I can just do a mile? So it sets me up a little bit for potential failure or gain, right? So I would much rather just keep driving and what happens, happens, because I certainly didn't think this was going to be how my life was. Yeah. And it has completely changed everything in my life and even myself. Um, I'm a very different person than I was a few years ago. You know? I love... I love that answer. My highlight of that answer is if you don't have a good day, you rest. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. You you have to take advantage of the good, rest on those days you don't feel good. But, you know, it's always been a thing that I've said, and I always will. I will try again tomorrow. That is what I believe. Um, because, you know, everybody has days, bad days. You just don't feel good. And you know what? I'll just try that and pick up tomorrow. And that's okay. My goal, yeah, my goal for my disease is more good days than bad. Absolutely. I really am present at every moment now. And I appreciate all those little things that I took advantage of 
simply like walking the dogs. I really take in how happy they are. I take in the smell of the air. I mean, I really truly am present now in every moment and I appreciate everything because I, I think we have to, I really do. Tisha, this is the first time we've met and I yes. really hope it's not the last. I do too, this has been fun. Yeah. You are, you're, you're remarkable. And I, I feel that it's a gift um, for mm -hmm. others to hear mm -hmm. different perspectives and rare. So thank you so much for coming on and talking about really challenging, vulnerable experience you've gone through in the past few years. Yeah, absolutely. And it's okay. Yeah. And it's okay to be vulnerable and, you know, feel that way, but yeah. I, I am such a stronger person now than I ever thought I would be. And I'm really happy that we did this and I appreciate your time. And um, it's been great. Thank you. Absolutely. Today's episode of Rare and Common is brought to you by Catalyst Pharmaceuticals. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rare in Common podcast. If you enjoyed the program, you can subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Rare in Common. Click, listen, feel, 